In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Here we go. Did I f- All right. Does it say, let me go live. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. We are here with Doma Nunzio, the founder of Magic Myco, the Myco Coil, and the Cult of Her Cup. Um, uh, Doma, I'm so stoked you're here today, my friend. I want everyone to learn about what you got going on over there. I want to take us through the website. Uh, more than that, can you maybe take a moment to introduce yourself and show and, and let people know what you're up to? Yeah, what's up, George? Thanks for having me on the show. This is really great. I'm over here in New York City. I know you're over in Hawaii. It's the morning time over there. Over here, it's getting towards the evening. But um, uh, just so the audience knows, I, there is just this quick disclaimer. I have no idea what George is going to ask me. Nothing here has been pre-planned. So if you have some kiddos in the room, maybe you want to get the kids out of the room. This, this conversation might go TVMA pretty quick. You know, I really have no idea. So um, just, you know, for safety and precautions, maybe you want to get the kiddos out of the room and uh, leave this conversation to the adults. Uh, at that, you know, feel free to ask me whatever you want. Nice. Well, you you would begin to touch upon the... Um, the uh the conference that you were at in New York with your, with your friend over there. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Right. Cause I was talking about the kids. So, cause we were over at the horizons, New York city conference in December and there were so many amazing um, panels and things going on there that, um, that we agreed with and we loved all the updates and the community and all this stuff towards the end of the conference. They asked a question to the audience. Like, do you think kids, should be participating in this research. Do you think this medicine is okay to give to kids? And a lot of the people said yes. And I, I'm of the opinion that the kids, they're a little too young. Their minds are a little bit too malleable, flexible. They're absorbing everything in and they're not really ready for some of these experiences. So many of us have come to this mushrooms, entheogens, uh, psychedelics um, industry through the cannabis industry. Many of us started in the cannabis industry and with cannabis, there have been many great breakthroughs with cannabis for kids and all kinds of uh, disorders, you name it. 
but um, when it comes to this, um, it's it, it's it's very mental and on the mind, and I just don't think they're ready. So that was just one thing that I didn't agree with at that conference. Um, yeah, so that's why I asked the kiddos, you know. Uh, having said that, you know, we're, some of us are parents, you know, we want to educate our kids how to be safe. You know, my daughter, she goes mushroom foraging with me all the time. She knows they're all poison and to do very good research on them and you have to cook them and all that stuff and how to take care of them. So like, you know, to be very educated before you even step in that territory of, of, of consuming wild mushrooms, especially. So yeah, so, you know, when it comes to the kids, education, awareness, um, being honest with them is is really key. Yeah, that was really well said, and I appreciate getting out in front of anything that come could come our way because, you know, it's a live conversation, and sometimes an interesting conversation tends to find itself in some deeper waters that may be interesting to some pe people but conceive to other people. And you know, maybe we could just stay on the topic of that conference you went to just for a moment. That was one of the things you disagreed with. What were some of the things that you did agree with? Um, well, there's a lot of great breakthroughs in the MDMA uh, research uh, in clinical trials. They're like in phase three. That looks like that one is going to be, you know, going through pretty soon. Also, there's been lots of breakthroughs with psilocybin and mushrooms. Um, yeah, we, we, I mentioned Gordo Tech. He's a good friend of mine. He actually has a free Patreon that you could look up all his posts for free. And he has some very informative posts. And one that he made just recently was a, about... Um, some of these topics for legalization of psychedelics. Um, and he had a couple links on there, like a bill tracker link where you could, you can track all the active bills that are going on in every state, see what's going on in your area and maybe do something about it. Reach out to um, some of the Congress people, some of the, some of the assembly people and get involved in the legislative conversations on how to legalize this uh, or how to get involved with the bill directly. Yeah, that's so a I think great point. Yeah, I think yeah. that's important. So there, there was a lot of uh, stuff like that, science breakthroughs, uh, legal conversations, and stuff like that. Me and Gordo had a good time just, you know, kicking it and watching all the panels. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's such an exciting time. I'm curious, too, as, as someone who has, you know, while probably still has a foot, or maybe you don't, I don't know, maybe who had a foot in the cannabis industry, maybe you still do, and now you're branching out into this particular one. Do you see, what are some similarities and some differences? Uh, well, this, as far as the testing procedures go, as far as HPLC, for those who mm -hmm. don't know what that is, that's chromatography. It's a liquid chromatography method that we use to measure potency, toxicity, and other things. Um, you know, there's some standard gear out there and standard consumables and a lot of the same consumables and gear that will work for cannabis will also work for the mushrooms. So if some people are already set up to do, because there are many cannabis labs out there, but there are not many mushroom labs right now, it would be very easy to switch over a percentage of your uh, operations, 10 or 20%, just into research, getting your methods developed and all your protocols up to date so that when it does come to, to your state that you could be ready. Um, because I do think that um, it's, it's going to be big. I think, you know, it's, 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 they call it the psychedelic renaissance. You know, it's kind of like this term I see get thrown around a lot. But it is. It, it really is. It's like people are more interested now than ever. It's like a, revi a revival. Yeah, it's true. And there's, there is so much research being done, not only on the front of mental illness, but mental wellness 
um, exploration. Uh, you know, I even see ath athletes finding a way to use it to improve their performance. So there's like a biohacking aspect to it. And there's a learning aspect to it. People are taking it and solving problems. If we go back to Francis Crick and some of these scientists that were able to just take some time for quiet contemplation at some point in their journey, whether it was on, you know, an entheogen of some kind, they're able to have these breakthroughs that they normally wouldn't have breakthroughs in. And who, who knows what is headed our way. But what I do know for sure is that we need people doing what you're doing to figure out, hey, what exactly is in this particular strain? Or we need people to investigate that environment. And with that intro, maybe you can give some people some insight into what it is that HPLC does for the people that come to you. Like, why are people coming to you and wanting to get these tests? So I run an online-based mycology work group through the Patreon where you get you support us by, by um, pledging at, at different tier levels and you get some different benefits. We have some lower tiers just supporting. We have some middle tiers where we also send out monthly projects like spores and stuff where we could all work on the same genetic and kind of like research it together. And then we have some top tiers which includes the testing. Now, the HPLC testing is great because it breaks down the material, the analytes, uh, individually. So you can see them all separated individually. It's a really great reagent kit and some other ones I know being developed on the market right now, like the Miraculous Silo Q test kit that will give you a good ballpark idea. And it's a good inexpensive home test to use to kind of get a ballpark idea what you're working with and to see if you would want to send them in for HPLC testing. Now, why would you want to send them in for HPLC testing? Because it's, it's more accurate. Like I said, you could separate all the analytes and get independently, not only the, the two major alkaloids, psilocybin and, and uh, its active derivative psilocin, but also the minor alkaloids, which could lend possibly to some kind of entourage effect in the presence of the major alkaloids or an MAOI. So similar to cannabis, like with all the terpenes and all the cannabinoids, each strain could have a particular kind of effect, uh, you know, a good effect or a bad effect uh, to some people. Um, so that's why the testing is so important, so that people know what they're working with, because nobody wants to work with garbage strains, right? Us mycologists, we're making isolations. Some of them might look great on agar, and then we get to grain, and they don't even fruit right or something. So like you want to be periodically batch testing your strains, see what you got, see if you want to continue with it. And, um, you know, beyond that, it's all about knowing how to dose. Um, it's all about mm. knowing how many milligrams of active uh, compounds are in your one gram of mushrooms. One mm. gram of mushrooms over here and one gram of mushrooms over there can be totally different. One could have one milligram of active of alkaloids. The other one could have 30 or 40 um, milligrams of active alkaloids. So how can you tell somebody just here, go take this one without really knowing all that? Now, sure, most of them are like averaged. You know, um, we could get into different topics with the genetics, multi-spore cultures versus an isolate. You know, there'll be less variation with an isolate than you'll get with a multi-spore culture. So usually you know, we get our multi-spores, we kind of go pheno hunting or crossing these strains to make like um, a pheno that we like. A phenotype is basically a strain of, that has a specific um, set of characteristics that we like, that we want to try to retain and keep. 
So these are the kind of projects I do with the members online. And um, you know, I am not a trained chemist. I don't have a degree in chemistry or bioscience. I have a whole bunch of trade degrees, I, um, different phases in my life. I was a computer technician, artist. I was into some sciences and stuff like that. So like this kind of like, um, it was a culmination of my life kind of like um, brought me to this place. Uh, I, uh, kind of a rough road brought me here. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like I was doing great in the cannabis industry and I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a trained chemist and I know everything that there is to know about chemistry. Far from it, you know, um, I was in a bad accident when I was in my 20s. I almost lost my life and uh, followed by some pretty heavy opiate addiction for for many years, which, which ruined my life in many ways, a few different times. Um, and it wasn't, I had my first, um, uh, you wanna ask me about my first mushroom experience? Well, my first Absolutely. mushroom experience, <laughs> well, I was 18, I was a college <laughs> student, right? And my girlfriend was going to Fordham University uh, up, upstate, so I was up there with her in the dorm room. I was 18 years old with my girlfriend, <laughs> you know, and she had this bag of mushrooms, so we made tea out of it. And it was an incredibly peaceful, calm. I just remember sitting on the steps of this old college, you know, the old college buildings, how they're like really yeah. like old looking and stuff. And we're sitting there and it's nighttime and we're just looking at the trees, just the breeze going through the trees. And I can't even explain to you how euphoric that feeling was. But when I came back from that experience, I couldn't really explain it. I was a young guy. I was messing around with other drugs. I was doing a lot of ecstasy at the time, maybe for the wrong reasons. Um, and I didn't. I wasn't educated to MDMA or its healing potentials. I was just going to a rave or something, you know. Right. So, and I had some bad, very, very bad experiences. So that, and then, so that's that was after college. Figure 18, 19 years old. That kind of turned me off to that, and I kind of turned to heavier drugs, uh, cocaine, heroin, stuff like opiates and stuff like that. So when I got to the accident, I was 21 and I had already, I was already on the methadone program, which is an opiate addiction program that you have to go to every day. And it's very miserable. Uh, so I got to that motorcycle accident and I couldn't get off the pain pills because now I was, I mean, I broke my pelvis, I fractured my skull. Mm. I, I, th I thought I died. And I had a lot of mental um, instabilities after that, like for many years, like not even really believing that I even came back and wondering where the hell I was, like really crazy shit. Yeah. Um, and whatever other drugs I did just exacerbated that. But through my... Through my um, fair, I would like to say moderate, but it was pretty much heavy um, use of cannabis. It kind of helped curb um, some of those um, opiate um, withdrawals and stuff I was having. I switched up the program. I got onto Suboxone, which was a much easier program that you only had to go to once a month. I uh, used the cannabis, and it wasn't until I was in my late 30s until life kind of pulled the carpet out from under me and my wife left me and I had nothing and I was in this decrepit apartment all by myself uh, growing pot and doing BHO extractions <laughs> in the basement, uh, making gold hash oil at a time when it wasn't even in the High Times magazine. You never even saw it. And me and my buddies, we used to buy these um, sight glasses that used to go on the right. front of the furnace and we'd get a cork and put it on the top and like blast it straight through and make gold. We had gold, we had brown, we had green, we had all the best hash. 
but it was basement hash, you know what I mean? Right. So long story short, my life was pretty much crumbling to pieces. And just something out of nowhere was like, what about mushrooms? You know, what about psychedelics? And I went online, I started looking up. Oh, I saw it in the High Times magazine. That's where I saw mm. it. That's why I brought up the High Times Because <laughs> I saw it in the back of the High There was an ad in the back of the High Times magazine. So there was it for a grow kit, and it was expensive. And I bought two or three of them, and I failed miserably. I got red mold in it. I was hiding the bags, like, in my ceiling and stuff, so when people came over, they wouldn't <laughs> see it. I also had cannabis growing in the basement with my fertilizers and crap all over the place. So I was getting, like, lipstick molds and right. fusarium, this purple shit that, like... I, not a success for the whole first year and a half until I kind of got my shit together. Um, I found a few good mentors, one through kind of like a pen pal relationship on a bulletin board online. And then another one through Willie Maiko, Willie Maiko and his trip team family chat. I joined up with his thing like in the beginning when he first started doing it. And I learned so much from him and it, it made it possible for me to do the same things that he was doing and make it seem uh, simple you know for a guy like me i could figure it out so yeah. you know with just like some basic science and chemistry do all those different projects so i got into his thing for a couple years and um because i was into cannabis i loved crossing strains and i loved messing mm. around with genetics i did it with seed propagation pollinating with the seeds i, I also did it with the uh, grafting the cuttings of the clones together and, all that. and i used to be into it i made my own strain one yeah. time i had it going it was really good i called it tropic thunder it was badass somebody else has the name <laughs> but it, it went extinct I, I fucked it up so um yeah yeah, so, so, so through the cannabis, I got into the genetics. So when I came over to mushrooms, the first question I was asking was, how do I make a hybrid? How do we do this? You know, I started <laughs> buying all the books. So for anybody out there who's new, getting into mycology, like maybe for the first time, there's a couple really good books out there. The Paul Stamish Mushroom Cultivator book is like a Bible. Everybody has it, the blue book. Um, right. Radical Mycology is an excellent book. There's like two textbooks that we use in our um in our Discord and our Patreon all the time, the Mushroom Cultivator and the Radical Mycology. So I picked up the, long story short, I pick up all Paul Stamets stuff because I find out he's the man. And um, I read that book and right there on page 27, he takes, and he takes four cultures and they're not even monocultures, they're dicaryotic cultures. We can talk a little bit about the life cycle if you like. Um, when, when a spore starts out, it creates a primary mycelium, which is monokaryotic. Monocus is just one. It's just half of the genetics. It's one side of the genetics. So it needs to come together with another one, with another mate. Those two will fuse and, and form clamp connections between the hyphae, and they actually like um, meld, like mesh into one, and will exchange the nuclei between them. And that's how they exchange the gametes and the alleles and that creates a new strain. So technically, when you're working with a multi-spore culture, you're making hundreds or dozens or hundreds of, of new strains. And, and then we oh, go wow. isolate, take our, our phenos or whatever. But I wanted to just like experiment with all this. And a lot of the groups I got involved in were like, no, you can't do this. A few of them I just got booted right off, you know, like, um, I don't want to throw out any names because I like them all. Uh, and I'm still on them all with right. secret names that nobody knows about. But um, <laughs> I think my first name on the, on the shroomery was the Joker. And I, I, the, every, all everybody did was laugh at everything I said. Maybe that was a bad idea. 
But um, so I was like, screw it. I'm going to do this shit anyway. I'll make my own group. So I went on Facebook. I made a group, Magic Michael Phantom Facebook group. You could go join it. And that's where it all started. I, I hooked up with a few people on there. Um, got some great genetics um, from all over. Some really great places in Canada, in the United States. Um, got some spores from some great people, too. I don't need to throw out names. We just had good genetics. So we started working with them. Um, and started all these different projects, working with the monos, the dicarions, studying about tetrapolar mycelium and unifactoral and bifactoral genetics and how and mutations and how all that fits in there. And these are topics that we still all hotly debated on the Discord and we're still digging into and learning about it. So uh, it's, you know, it's an ongoing uh, evolution of our group. So basically over the past few years of doing it myself, we've created some isolations, hybrids, whatever you want to call them. One of, um, some of which have done very well. One of them won this first psilocybin cup. I feel like I should throw that out there. Uh, put, uh, uh, hosted and curated by Hyphae Labs, Oakland Hyphae Labs. Excellent group of people who also do testing and research just like I do. You should go check out, dig into all their stuff as well. They put on the psilocybin cup, which I believe now is called the Hyphae Cup. Um, and they have conferences and do testing and all kinds of stuff. So definitely check them out. So I learned from everybody. I learned from watching everybody. Around the time that I found Oakland Hyphae was doing that contest, I was looking into these things myself, like testing equipment. Because in making my hybrids and doing my projects, you know, half the people would say that I did it and half the other people would say that I didn't do it. And I really, because I'm not a trained scientist, I really had no good skills or resources to um, to document or to, to do a good experiment. Uh, so built the, the business up from my basement, from my basement apartment, um, grew into a rather large business, especially after the psilocybin cup and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, ever since that, we had to move into a, a commercial lab space because um, we, we hit a whole bunch of roadblocks. <laughs> we hit a whole bunch of roadblocks. Yeah, you can't do this <laughs> stuff out of a residential address, guys. You got to have a commercial address. <laughs> and um, anybody could do this research, you know. Um, there are a couple different levels and there's different certifications. There's a certification I'm pursuing right now in New York State because cannabis is legal, right? So. I'm trying to get my ISO 17025 accreditation, which would make me a certified research laboratory, testing laboratory. And I, then I could also um, send in my application to be a can state cannabis testing lab. And with that would give us a whole bunch of new opportunities and um, maybe some stability so we could stay in this beautiful lab we just moved into. It's so got a big 2,500 square foot lab. We've got two HPLCs. We do potency testing, uh, toxicity analysis. We could do DNA sequencing now. We also do those silo Q tests, and we use this really nifty abs absorbance meter. So we don't have to just look at the Q card anymore, the evaluation mm. chart. We can actually get a, an actual score from the spectrometer, from the color meter. This is one made by IO Rodeo. Excellent, rather inexpensive. Um, it runs on Python. Uh, you can install all your own calibration tables in here and make your own reagent kits and stuff like that. So those are all, those are all the kinds of things that I do with the, with the, page, with the Magic Mike O Fam team on the Patreon and uh, the Discord. It started on the Facebook. 
Then we then uh, after the psilocybin cup, we grew to the IG. And that's it. Here we are. Here we are, rocking on, trying to trying to. Uh, we got the cultivar cup coming up in June. Uh, the cultivar cup is our event. Is our event that um, we're hoping to get a good turnout this year, guys. So anybody can join. You know, we have three different entry fee levels. You could you could join as a non-member, pay full price. You could join as a member for half price. Or if you're on one of those top testing tiers, you could get in for free. And uh, we're going to have five categories. Uh, we're going to have a few cool sponsors giving away great prizes. And uh, just this is all, you know, it's not so much about who wins. It's about um, getting people involved, the education and the awareness. Naturally, the people who win will, will get, some, get some good promo and attention and stuff like that. And that's great. That's great for the whole community. Like you said, more people need to be doing this, stepping out there. You know, some people are scared right now because of the legalities. A lot of gray and red tape, right? A lot of red tape and gray areas right now we're trying to cut through. But if you're if you set up a professional business and you pursue all the required and you know good um, legal routes, um, that all protects you legally for what you're doing, especially especially if you're doing it the way I'm doing. Yeah, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. It's like it's like drugs. There's a right way to do them and a wrong way to do them. Yeah, you know, which paradigm are you going to live in? You want to live in the old <laughs> paradigm and be yeah. like, oh, I'm a drug dealer selling shit in my basement. That's not legal. Or do you want to be like, shit, I ain't doing nothing wrong. Right. Let's legalize this shit. You know, because right. it shouldn't be control one. It should be lower. We got to get it. All. We got to deschedule. First right. of all, I, I'm I'm. You know, I'm trying to get involved in the bills in New York just to just to be a part of it so that we could deprioritize criminalization and right. decriminalize and set it and set a path for new modalities and different methods for setting up like Oregon is doing. Oregon, I right. think, was the first state to put a plan into motion. And now they're trying to get set up. I know a few labs um, have been approved and uh, people are getting set up to do the therapy, to do the sessions, to do the clinical, to do the testing. So. That's pretty big. What's going on in Oregon? All of us should be paying attention to that, and and also what's going on in your own state. What bills are in your own state, and and who is who is putting them up? Which which assembly people are putting them up? And you want to write those people. You want to email those people. Tell them who you are. Tell them you support this movement, and we need better um, better uh, modalities and and um, procedures in in process for for testing, for clinical research, for for studies, and all that. And, and it'll get passed. It's going to get passed. I'm, I'm confident that uh, all the psychedelics will be legalized uh, by 2025. You know, I'm curious. So you had mentioned Oregon and these different states that are beginning to pass up. You had mentioned that there's different kinds of people that are kind of coming to you for these different things. And there's different events. Does it kind of seem like this community is growing together the same way Hyphae grows together? And like, it yes. seems like we're building something, yes. right? It's like a hive mind. It's almost yeah. like that. We're on another level almost. It's like the internet. It's like we're our own internet, right? It's yeah. like when you take these medicines, they connect these neurons and make these pathways in your brain that maybe weren't active or closed for a long time. And yeah. That's what fires up, lights up those emotions, those feelings, those those thoughts that you have. And sometimes they just need to surface out and you need to purge a thought. Maybe you're not going to actually purge a material like vomit, but maybe you have to purge. Maybe you have to cry. Maybe you have to have a good cry. Maybe you have to laugh really freaking hard at something that maybe you would take too seriously. Maybe you have some serious issues and like some of my friends, like I need to go in my room for a little while in the dark and just go yep. sit there and work some shit out. You know, 
there's really no such thing as a bad trip. Like th those experiences, people will chalk up to a bad trip. And that's where it's really important about our professionalism and the way that we conduct our trials and our research and our experiments. You know, we have to do it professionally and aim to be as professional as we can and not some dark basement, you know, mycologist. Although that's, that's great and that's where we all came from. Um, you know, in the end, in the end, the, all that darkness is going to get overtaken by a little bit of light. It's going to get legalized and it's just going to open up. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I'm curious, what are the five categories? If someone enters the cult of our cup, what are the five categories they're going to be judged in? Great question. So we got cubensis. Okay. We got exotics, which is anything other than cubensis. Mm -hmm. Your pansions, your bisporus, all that will be, your Natalienses, tamponesis, all that will be considered under exotics. Then we have extracts. Okay, mm. so if you make an extract from your mushrooms, it could be a dry, it could be a wet extract. Um, and cordyceps, and the last one is cannabis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you seen a lot of extracts? I haven't seen, like this is kind of a newer thing no. that's emerging. I haven't seen a lot of extracts. What's, what's the word on that? <clears throat> no, and we just started doing this testing in the past year, and okay. I've seen some really great stuff over the past five years. But, and I wish I had some of it here now to test, you know, <laughs> because too. we're not getting enough samples. No, we're not. Um, and the preliminary data coming in is very skewed. Like what we should, like COG, which is the crystal of the gods extraction that people do with the mushrooms that make these crystal, you know, it was once believed to maybe be pure psilocybin. Mm. And to make matters worse, people like Alexander Shulgin, who's like looked up to as a god, we all love him naturally, but he's thrown out a few cockamamie uh, ideas, you know, and he's a brilliant thinker. He was a brilliant chemist, but he didn't even have a good computer, you know, he, he, um, <laughs> he didn't have an HPLC. He didn't have none of this stuff to confirm, really. He just knew how all the molecules were designed and how to design them and put them together and based it all off those theories. But he threw out a couple cockamamie things, one of which saying that it would be 99% pure psilocybin, which just bolstered the whole belief in the community. Um, there's some other things going around too, like with additives and substrates. You know, I believe in using natural additives in your substrates. You know, some people like to use manure or not. You know, that's all great. Whatever your base substrate is, that's great. But then usually sometimes people will use a little additive. And especially for testing purposes, I recommend that you set your experiments up with a control. Mm. All good experiments have a control. So in other words, you, you have your one that you do all the time, like your CVG or your DHM substrate, dehydrated horse manure or, or your core vermin gypsum, right? That's like, say you're tried and true. So you'll have that. But then side by side, maybe now we'll have that, but with um, an additive. Maybe this one has more calcium. Mm. Maybe this one has more tryptophan. We tried to do that. We tried to give it 5-HTP. Mm. Um, what, I, what I like to recommend is to give it an experiment with natural additives, calcium, nitrogen, phosphorus, magnesium, all these natural elements and trace minerals and elements. What I don't recommend is using your good drugs like 5-AMEO-DMT that's very expensive and adding it to your substrate in hopes of making a new compound because um, the preliminary results, results show it's not happening. Mm. I've, I've read about some psilomethoxin and talked to some guys that were using, I, I think it was Bufo, and they were feeding it to the mushrooms, and then they got, I don't know what their process was, 
but they they've gone through and found a way for it to create this 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 uh, yeah. new substance. Have you heard about anything like that? Like what? Yeah, and I've seen and I've seen many reports from labs just like mine. Um, I, I think we've all tested it and know that it's bullshit. But <laughs> none of us really want to touch the topic because of the legalities. Um, mm. However, I would like to think that the, the people running the church have, you know, they're trying to protect themselves and their customers, and they're just, they have good intentions, and they're just trying to heal people, and they're trying to protect themselves legally. Um, you know, I've tested it. It's, I, I found psilocybin and psilocybin right away. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the way that it works, and, and it's an interesting theory to think about. I guess, you know, I want to show some people an actual report that you guys have. Is there, and I, I have them all right here, right here. Uh, cool, cool, yeah, great. Maybe we can, maybe we could go through this one here. This is the, uh, what is this one? This is the, uh, the April 29 right here. So maybe, maybe we could, you could kind of walk us through this and people could get a real understanding of what's happening there. Sure, so our reports are kind of evolving. And I mentioned that I'm a seeking uh, accreditation to be a, a certified ISO state lab, right? So in doing that, it has me upgrading some of my procedures and implementing some processes that are necessary. And I'm, and I'm very glad that I came across in this business, like new computer systems, a limb system, an ELN system. We have to have our own COAs. So these, right. uh, which, which is a report, basically. Right. So these reports that you're showing right now is a, basically an evolution of the style of report that I have been making for the past year. Looks very nice. It's fancy. It has a nice little background overlay there with some <laughs> mushrooms. Um, we also test the fly agaric. On that one, it has a fly agaric in the background. And the cannabis one, it has a cannabis leaf in the background. They look great. And they also pertain the information, most of it, that it needs to have. But in the future, we might have an actual different, actual official COA that will be, uh, you know, accepted under state certification. Um, we're getting there. This is very great. Um, in this report, we basically give you some basic information on top, like the strain and the species and some basic attributes that the cultivator might have used, like the lighting or the substrate. Then we have a little alkaloid profile, those pie charts, which basically just breaks down all the compounds that were found in the material and kind of breaks it down into a pie chart of, um, you know, those percentages, those ratios. Then a little bit underneath that is the big table chart. Uh, that big table chart basically tells you individually, one by one, all the different analytes and the level at which they were found both in milligrams per gram and also in percent. Got a couple of bold um, numbers over there on the right, and that's your totals. And the one with the little purple highlight is your PCBE. Now you see the main thing that we're studying with these um, alkaloids are the two main alkaloids, the psilocybin and the psilocin. Sure, the miners are very important. All the other stuff mm -hmm. we haven't found yet is, is very important. Uh, and should be listed on there and put into it, added up total as it is there. And as it's done in cannabis tests and on cannabis labels. But when it comes to psilocybin and the bioavailability of psilocybin and the way that it converts to psilocin um, in the body, 
the, the, the different levels of psilocybin and psilocin will, will give a potentially different effect, right? Because the psilocin is the, is the active uh, metabolite of the psilocybin. So if you consume more psilocin, it's going to hit you faster. It's going to be a faster onset. It might be slightly uh, more intense, but it'll also fade away quicker, uh, much quicker. Whereas the psilocybin needs to still break down in your body. So when you take it, it's going to go through your liver, through your organs. It's going to get digested and then broken down into the psilocin, which will then break down further. And so those effects will have a longer onset, like up to 90 minutes before it hits you. But it will last a much longer duration, almost like a timer release. It just keeps kicking you. So the combination of those two, you know, will pretty much determine how, you know, the bioavailability as you take it into your body. So because of this, it is good to give the added up total, as I mentioned before, but we also have what's called the PCBE, which is the psilocybin equivalent value. So psilocin is much more potent than psilocybin in its raw form. So we do a little calculation to convert based on the molecular weight, psilocybin into psilocin and psilocin into psilocybin. And we give you those two figures there. So the CB, the PCBE is your psilocybin equivalent. And then next to it on the left, in a little smaller print there, is the uh, PCNE, which is the psilocin equivalent. I made the psilocybin equivalent the main highlighted figure because I believe that is most important. So that figure should be more accurate in terms of how it's going to hit you and, and how it's going to feel. You know, on, on a side note, as, I, as you talk about this, I just, my brain kind of goes in this direction. What if you were to get like a good extract, is that similar to like four ACO DMT? or these analogs, like pure extract would be for ACODMT or something like it, right? Well, it depends on your process. If you use like a lot, like with the lemon, with the Whippetech, if you use an acidic solvent, it's going to convert most of it into your psilocin. So mm -hmm. it's not going to be shelf stable for very long. Those, those water extracts, those mm -hmm. blue water extracts might kick your ass mm -hmm. on the first day, but after about seven days, <laughs> they're going to oxidize and they're going to lose everything. So that's why right. psilocybin, we say, is king. It's the king alkaloid because it's the most shelf-stable. So just to get real fish, uh, real quick, yeah. just to finish with the report because you wanted me, me to walk you through it. Yeah, There's a little QR code man. there. So what the QR code is, is that is an NFT link. So if you were to click or to scan that QR code, it'll take you to the Ethereum blockchain on OpenSea where it links to a page with that strain, April 29. And in the description, there'll be a link to this very report that you're looking at. So the report links to the NFT, and the NFT links to the report. We set this up in the beginning because we saw some other professional labs doing it for timestamping purposes, also um, to have the NFT as a collectible, a few other uh, reasons. Um, there's other ways to also do this. You know, there's DOI numbers. Um, which is a meta tag kind of number that professional researchers usually apply for. They could supply DOI numbers uh, in their reports and research papers. And also, as we do some of the genetic sequences, we're getting back the ascension numbers. So we're also adding those numbers onto the report too. 
so you might see it evolve a little bit over the court, you know, in the future as it has been this whole time. But if you go down, so if, so this is like basically your nice cover page. This is basically your cover page, my, C, my current COA, I sign it at the bottom. And then it goes on a few more pages. This is the actual chem station report. Now this isn't required. This is not required to give, um, not, not in any form or fashion. But I like to show my work in the whole as I've been uh, evolving and learning myself and developing our methods, I've been liking to show the actual chem station yeah. report, which tells you all the settings of the method, how I ran it. Um, you know, uh, it's hard for me to see what uh, it tells you all my equipment. And as you scroll down, it'll give you the actual chromatograph on one of those pages, tell you how much I used, sample volume, the dilution factors, everything. So then it gives you the actual chromatograph right there. And, it, and, and it'll list for you the peaks. So each one of those peaks is another analyte that we can measure. How can we know? How can we measure? Well, it's called a reference standard. So we buy these reference standards from chemical companies that basically is a known amount of, say, psilocybin. So they'll send us one milligram in one milliliter of of acetonitrile of psilocybin. So we know exactly how much is in there. So when we compare that one against the sample, that's how we can measure and uh, set up our calibration tables and give you an, an accurate result. Uh, so that's that's those peaks there. Each one, the, the separation that we were talking about, um, the solvent goes and passes over this column. It's called a stationary phase column that's filled, packed with a whole bunch of silica gel and basically, there's some different interactions in there based on the size, based on the electric properties, based on the dipole properties. And different analytes will get hung up in the column more than others. So, so some will come out faster and some will come out slower. So um, with, for this method, I have a pretty long uh, HPLC column. It's 150 millimeters because it needs that time to kind of separate um, and get all in. I mean, we have other columns and there's different methods. This method that we're looking at here is called reverse phase chromatography, okay? We're not inventing anything new here. This is a tried and true standard method that has been along for many, many decades. It's called a reverse phase chromatography and there's a couple ways to run in, in, that, in those methods. You can run in an isocratic uh, format or you can run in a gradient format. And that basically just has to do with your solvents and if you just stay the same or if you change from one to the other over the course of the run. Um, so this is a very standard um, procedure, reverse phase chromatography. However, there, um, this particular psilocybin mushrooms or any psilocybes in general, there's just, like we said, there hasn't been enough research. People think reverse phase isn't very good for this because it's the polar analytes and because they don't have very good retention on the column. But the columns have gotten so much better. Even though the machines are still old, the columns have gotten so much better. Um, the way that we've mixed our mobile phases has gotten simpler and more efficient. Um, and the sample prep process, which is the biggest variable in testing between labs, is how do they do their sample prep process? Most sample prep processes are very easy, like with cannabis or some extracts. But when it comes to um, some extracts, but when it comes to like psilocybin mushrooms, all the medicine is stuck inside the tissues, inside the fibrous chitin 
the tissue. So it takes more energy to break them out. That's why we do double concoctions. That's why we we, we do an alcohol concoction and then a water concoction or, or vice versa. You know, that's why we do this because it extracts different solubles and insolubles from the material. Whereas if you did that with cannabis, you would extract too much shit. You would get an RSO or something because you would just take everything, the fats, the lipids. That's why we blast straight through with um with the with the bho because we just want the liquid to just go past it cold all the medicines on the outside of the plant it's just going to strip it right off we even freeze it to make it brittle and all those trichomes will just break right off and come right out when it comes to mushrooms it needs to soak it needs to absorb it needs to break that cell wall so the medicine could be released in the beginning now that was taking me two days to do now i i see other people's uh, methods and procedures and they were doing it much different than me and their scores were coming out lower. So um, I think that maybe some of the extraction processes weren't done, or maybe you know it's just now it's better. But um, yeah, now we got it down to two hours. So that's that's great. That's great for mushrooms. I could do high yeah. throughput all day long. Yeah. So that's great. So that's our reports, and you know they're coming along. We'll probably have a little upgraded one once we get the you know official COA kind of variety going. Uh, but that's it. So, you know, we, we, we tried to implement a bunch of different things, the NFT, the, the, the time stamping, the full report, make a little cover page for it. So, you know, you get a lot for your money um, if you wanted to get a test and the, the prices with the with the new developments and efficiencies, the prices are coming down. So we can offer better prices. That's why I encourage people to get signed up so you can get a discount or you could get you know, some testing for free, get involved with our members and make some friends and share some projects. You don't have to either. If you want to do it private and anonymous, that's fine. You know, We have a, a, a spot for you could get a private report or under the reporting name on the forum, you could just put anonymous. You know, Some people that, that might be what they want and that's okay. Um, you know, All the data, it goes far in helping us because like we were saying, there's just, it's not that these processes aren't known or that they haven't even been done before. It's just not enough, you know. How can you just do one stem and cap experiment and say that's it, stems are stronger than cap, or vice versa, or whatever? You know, you got to do it over and over and over on a lot of different strains, and then over time, we're going to compile hypotheses and 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 see trends and be able to chart all these great things. So that's where we're at. We're basically in a, in a spot of um, going professional, right? It's the way I like to think about it. Yeah, I, I think the whole community or the whole space is in that same spot. Like everybody, it's new, it's novel, and people are are traversing the environment. Now look at this chart right here. You you as someone who does this all the time, you could probably look at these profiles and be like, oh, that's a Cubensis or that's a Paniolos or right. So Just when the you look of it, right? Yeah, it and so this one is this one a Cubensis right here. Yes, this is a Cubensis strain. And then what is this like a is this a really good cubensis strain? Is it is it these different biocysteines and psilocybin? If you were gonna create or or maybe the, the strain that you created, did your did your bar chart look like this? Or like what are you looking for in a really good strain if you were just gonna look at the profile? How would you know? Basically I'm looking for a high psilocybin content. And right. and everything else falls second for me. Um, we okay. know the other minor alkaloids where there are. There are a few unknown ones and a few uh, mystery ones, especially with some of the exotics. A couple in particular are like azurescence and um, mm. uh, Natalia We're also finding trace amounts mm -hmm. of MAOIs, 
Um, MAOIs, mm. are, they're fun to research because they're so fluorescent and they fluoresce under a UV light. So if you do a methanol extraction of your mushroom material and then look at it under a UV light, sometimes you'll see it could change color. Contaminations could also fluoresce too. So these are, mm. those are some things that we're looking into now. But the MAOIs are present in some varieties of mushrooms. They're such a low level that it might not really do much. But if you take everything and put it together, that entourage effect as a right. whole might add up to be something special and, and substantial. Um, yeah, we're, we're in a big experimental phase right now. We're collecting data, developing these methods. Um, you know, we have a very open source sharing approach to it. You know, some people don't, right. or, or, or maybe they're just not at that level yet. But um, I think that people should share, you know, I mean, we're a pretty big community and we want to be part of it. We want to be part of it as it becomes legalized and so they don't like ruin it. Like, like some, you know, we should learn from our experiences with the cannabis industry and, and, and all the trials and tribulations we went through there with uh, legalization and testing and, you know, all this state-by-state -state stuff, I got to say, really stuck. So we got to just deschedule it and things will move faster. But it's great that we have all these bills going now. New York, that I know of, has three going right now, one of which is, is looking really good. So, you know, who knows? It could be happening really soon. I want to be ready. Yeah, I had another question. On, Yeah, you will be, I think. You guys are at the forefront and, and there's some great people working in here. I'm curious. I'm just putting on my, my curiosity hat. But it seems to me that when we look at cannabis and if we're using cannabis as somewhat of a model, you know, different strains tend to have different attributes or characteristics about them. And I'm wondering, hope maybe in the future we're going to be able to see, oh, well, this particular strain of mushrooms may right. help people with Alzheimer's or this particular strain may be good for people with epilepsy or maybe this particular strain is something that's been really helpful for people with PTSD. Is that something that could be working in the future or something you see on the horizon? Yes. Uh, short answer, yes. Short answer, yes. Um, to a point, to a point, right. because there is, it, it is very subjective and depends on the person's sure. mental state. And many of these drugs can sometimes cause the same exact reactions in people. Um, so, you know, more study is needed. A lot of times it's subjective depending on what's going on in your life, what's on your mind. And Although, yeah, like LSD is going to be much different than like, mm -hmm. you know, psilocybin or MDMA. Sure, it's going to be different, but it might uh, trigger like the same kind of response, emotional response or, um, you know, physiological response in your body. Um, having said that, yes, I do think that we will find out in the future some more details about this one's good for this ailment or this one's good for that ailment maybe this one has more beta-glucan so it's good for this mm -hmm. or that you know this one has more um you know maybe we'll we'll find out because we know more about the pathway now so baocystin and norbaocystin is actually part of the pathway and the psilocybin and psilocin can actually go back and forth which is kind of interesting mm -hmm. and i also find it interesting that psilocybin as it degrades can turn into psilocin but it could also turn into norcilosin and um, mm. baocystin can turn into psilocybin. So we might notice some trends, like if it had a really high baocystin, like maybe we picked it mature or, 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 or vice versa. Like if it has a really high psilocin content and the psilocybin is really low, like my TW4 batch on this last report, 
it was because I let it go too long. I let it go to the point where they were turning black and they were basically rotting mm. and senescing. So when some people see that really black bluing, they think I got the strongest shit. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was there. But if you see that, that means it's already degrading and losing what mm. it had. So some of the strongest, highest testing strains that I have tested have come to me with almost no bruising because they were handled correctly. Mm. And, 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 and these pan-cyans are just flying off the charts. And if you've ever seen a cubensis next to a pan-cyan, you know, cubensis is fibrous. They could be very large and fibrous, a lot of material there, right? A lot of chitin. But with these pan-cyans, it's almost like tissue paper. There's like nothing <laughs> there. Like you can't say to go do the same dehydrator technique because if you put those in for 24 hours, they might get dry to a crisp and take out all the alkaloids. Like they dry really mm. fast. And because there's almost no material there, they just leave behind a lot of alkaloids and they wow. test really high. So I think that's part of the reason. Well, having said that, we were also talking about a couple other strains like um, the Azis and a couple others, mm -hmm. which were finding this other molecule that I don't know what it is yet, and I'm checking all the other ones that come after psilocin, and I still don't know what it is, and there's this big mysterious wood lovers paralysis thing that people are talking about a lot, so maybe that could be the peak, and I'm trying to figure out mm. what that is. It's not, um, it's not the serotonin, it's not the TMT, it's not the DMT. I looked into all of those, it's not. It's this very weird peak. Um, do, do you have access to all my reports right now? Can you bring up an ASI report? Uh, I think so, so yeah. It's yeah. all right, one second. That's all right. Um, all the reports yeah, are available. I can do it right here. One of these ones right here? Yeah, we did some good ones this month. Um, dehydration experiment with a freeze dryer versus um, dehydrator. Now I'm getting on topic. The peanuts. Um, is there any uh, Azzies on there? No, we got Flyer Garrick, though. It was the month before. So if you go up to the hamburger bar on the top and click on journals, reports, lab journal, and then go right. to February. You might have to just like up, go back up. Yeah, right there, mm. lab reports. Right here, lab reports. Yeah, mm. is there like icons in that window? Can you scroll How up? about reports? Oh, yeah, right there, right there, right there. There's March. Just scroll over to number two. Will be February. Uh, I don't see number yes, two. two. Oh, right here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. Click, click. Just click that. Now go down. Do you see any links for Azzies? Uh, uh, February. February. Got a lot of good stuff for testers. No, not that. Yeah. Uh, Two-page results. Twenty-third in depth. Yeah. Solve keep going. Go all the way down. Sorry, guys. I want them to see this. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Azzy's right here. All right. Try that one. Let's see if that one. I'm not sure if this one had it. Not all okay. of the Azzy samples had it, but some of the higher ones did. Go down to the chromatograph. It might have been January. So you could reach all these reports. His computer's loaded. There we go. Okay. So that one, see, it has these other alkaloid. Um, yeah. It also, this one also had a uh, 5-HT. Yeah. So that is another one, but it doesn't have the other peak that I was talking about. So right after the psilocin peak, the second to the last peak, on okay. like, on a, on a bunch of ASI samples, I get another peak right there, right? right. Maybe you might have to go to another month, like January. 
Okay, but, um, you know, the, the fam could do it if they want. Uh, all the reports yeah. are available on the website. There's links to all these reports, and they could go check that out. So I give all that in our in-depth report. Um, I'll probably always do that because I think that it's that it's nice for other testing labs to see the settings that I used. Yeah. Um, but as far as certification, I might have a different, like, official, like, stamp approved, like, COA with the, with the totals on it in the end that I actually give the customer. This one's great. Maybe I could still use this one. We'll find out. But as we get better, we're adding the genetic information, DOI. Uh, we got the NFT on there. You know, maybe you win the cup and your strain is really good and you want the NFT just to have it, you know. Yeah. The NF beautiful idea. You know, the, the MAOI images that you talked about are probably pretty awesome artwork too. Do you have those for NFTs? Like you could almost sell those as artworks you know, on top of it with, with that. I guess you're kind of doing that already. Yeah. But. yeah, I'm not selling them. It's just like we're collecting them. So if you get the report, right. it's right. included. It's just included with your report. Um, and, you know, wherever those links and the, if we use it for the research, we'll, you know, we'll get tagged along with it. Uh, like we said before, if you wanted an anonymous report and you don't want us to use it for right. our research, that's fine too. You know, maybe you're doing batch right. testing and you don't want everybody to see everything you send it in because some you, you know is right. bunk and you just want to see what is bunk and what's not. So, you know, just state that on mm. your report and that's fine. But we want to be able to share as much as possible. We're asking people to pledge as much as they can, get on the top tier, get the free entry to the Cultivar Cup. And um, I'll, I'll make a nice written report too for it. It'll be, it'll be sweet. You know, I, I wanted to touch base a little bit about the beginning of the conversation where like, I, I think a lot of us have, have gone through some times where we've, we've found ourselves be pretty creative. Like when you were making new strains and cannabis and stuff, and sometimes like you just come up with these ideas, like I'm going to put these two together, I'm going to use this. The ideas I had that I tried, and it's all subjective for me because I, I didn't have any control group like that, was I used like a really like an N52 neodymium magnet, and I exposed the cultivation to that. And in my mind, of course, it turned out super awesome. I'm wondering, have you ever used like a high-powered magnet yes. exposing those spores and stuff? Have you, have you tried using those magnets before? I wonder if I could. Is there a way to turn my camera around? Um, okay. I don't think so. I don't think there is, but um, I was okay. going to turn my camera around so I could show you uh, something in front of me. But yes, there's a big magnet right over here, and I have magnets, yeah. and I've done it on agar. Okay. I've done electrical experiments. I've done agar experiments with magnets, agar, all kinds of additives that you could possibly imagine. I've put in copper wires in them and shocked them. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you give it lightning. So you know what I found with that one? First of all, it was a very dangerous a device that this is pre mycocoil right so mycocoil <laughs> okay mycocoil okay. is my sterilizer device uh, it's nice safe patented technology but before that i was trying out this thing called a lightning plate and we were shocking the agar with stun guns basically and we were rebuilding them to make up this lightning plate but it wasn't very safe i don't know how i would have managed to get that to everybody uh, i think a few people did get one but <laughs> Well, yeah, they're pretty dangerous. Um, <laughs> so we had a couple of electrodes on them. Uh, but what we found, so and the Japanese have some good research right. on this with, with oyster mushrooms as well. And I think okay. also the Bible has some good research on this too with the manna. Um, so basically you get that microclimate in the, that 
negative ions in the air and you get that microclimate, that like little fog, and then you get some electricity and add a bolt of lightning in there. And it, when it hits the ground, you know what happens? It, it, it fries the spot that it hits and it turns black and kills anything that was there. But then all around that area, like in a big ring, you could get all mushrooms literally like overnight. The mana, right? I think wow. That's maybe the so, but here's the thing. Here's a trend that I'm noticing. Some of these faster, potent, uh, some of these faster fruiting strains, like the ones that pop up overnight, tend to come out way less potent, even sometimes inactive. Whereas mm. some of the strains that take longer to fruit, they like they got to be in the toad for a while. They always come out stronger. It's like they had more time to do their chemical factory process right. and make the good stuff. Whereas with the lightning hitting it, yeah, we're doing Frankenstein, but we're just growing one up overnight and it doesn't have much time to make the good stuff. Yeah, so it might be good to feed. It might be good to feed like an army, <laughs> but you know, for <laughs> if you want to have an experience, it would probably be pretty mild. But still it was a cool experiment. Yeah, we do all kinds of experiments like that on, on agar, some of them which I'd like to get back to. But I think the most important reason why you brought that up was because with the fusions and the hybrids, so there's a lot of rumors and not any good documented research online about people using snake venom to do this in the past. I never had any access to snake venom. I don't even know where to get that shit. So I have all antibiotics and gentamicin, streptomycin, gentamicin. I got a penicillin, amoxicillin. I got all these different... Um, antibiotics in my lab. So I started experimenting with those. And some of them have gram negative and gram positive action. And you could look up what that means online. Like it'll affect certain bacterial strains, but it won't with some molds or it will with both. You can look up what that means, mm. gram negative and positive. But I found that by using a gram negative and positive um, um, antibiotic like amoxicillin or penicillin that everybody has in their medicine cabinet, and using very, very little as an additive in my agar dish um, would basically make the strains grow really slow. Oh, I lost them. Power out. And oh, Okay, can you still hear me? Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Came. So in the beginning when we were doing these sandwich smashes and like we cut out two hole punches of an agar cut and put them together like a sandwich on top of the agar, on top of this antibiotic agar. So some of the, some of the antibiotic um, additives that only have like one way uh, positive or negative action, like the, the strain, like very similar to activated charcoal, like it might keep the contams away and you might get a nice rhizomorphic strain with these ropes, mm. but they'll be popping out here and there as they try to get to the nutrients and they have a little bit of resistance against the um, antibiotic. But when you use the gram negative and positive one, like the penicillin or the amoxicillin, it makes everything grow slow and in place. Those rhizomorphs don't pop out, so you don't have any chance for like phenotypes here and there, like all over the place. One very definite uh, indicator is you can see a very clear, distinct line that will form in between your strains, and that usually means that it didn't fuse, you know. But with this way, with the sandwich on the agar, with the antibiotic, it made it grow really slow, and it made it grow in place that it forced it to, like, grow over each other and meld. And then we grow that out, and mm -hmm. then we take cuttings off that plate, 
like multiple cuttings and put that into an LC jar, swish it all up, and I let it go like six months and colonize in 3D and like a 3D solution, like a 3D suspension. Wow. And that's how I made Trinity. That's how I made Trinity. And it was in the beginning, it was like so uniform and stable and looked really good. And we've isolated it further since then. But it was almost nothing like that first one it was, it was really stable and pure. It was really good. So that's how we finished them. Since then, I've come up with some new techniques using the same kind of um, strategies, but with different buffers, uh, use different solution. Um, and I learned some of those um, biology hacks from using other people's kits, like the Odin, the Odin.com has some great uh, bacteria kits, um, you know, mycelium kits, you name it, genetics kits, CRISPR kits. And I started using all his mm. kits and messing around with the CRISPR genes and the yeah. GFP fluorescent proteins and um, and some of these um, antibiotics. You could also get your DNA sequencing stuff there and everything. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good resource. So I just started playing with that and found that that worked. Uh, his transformation buffer. So he has a transformation buffer that you can use with, say, bacteria and a GFP protein to try to insert this plasmid DNA, which is basically one strand of the DNA in a circle, and try to, what the, what the buffer does is it softens, basically what I would imagine the snake venom would do would be to like soften that cell wall and disintegrate it to enough so that the two can mm. come together or that the plasmid can be inserted into the nucleus, or if it's two strains so that the two spores, or so there's two hyphae, can come together and clamp and start sharing their nuclei. And then, and that's how you get your, um, your new strain. And then I, I would do it in the buffer solution in test tubes and, and do it that way. So we just have a new way of doing it. I still do the smash tech sometimes. It's fun and fast and easy. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a little bit more, you could get some more varied, uh, you know, some more variety. It might be a little harder to like isolate a really good one. That LC finishing trick is really good for doing that though. Don't go right to the grain. Go to LC right after the uh, agar. Man, it, it's exciting. It's like a it's a whole new, I don't know, environment to be trying things and doing things. And you had mentioned if people get on a certain tier, they're able to follow along with some of your experiments, so they could get a spore print or something like that, and then they could begin to do their own. Is that accurate? Every month, yes. Uh, we have a small a small benefit, a medium benefit, and a large benefit. The small benefit is usually just like a two milliliter vial with some spores or LC. Um, the mm -hmm. medium one is sometimes also like agar dishes, so you have like a full project. And then the highest ones, you get like two of everything, plus you could send in samples for testing. Perfect. Perfect. I got to, I learned a lot by talking to you today. And it's, I'm really excited to get to see people at the forefront that are one of us that are people that come up and maybe they didn't go to Stanford and get a degree, but they're the people that are at the forefront that really care about creating things that make the world a little bit better. And I consider you one of those guys, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm hopeful Thank in the future, you. maybe we can cover the cultivar cup or maybe we can talk more going forward to talk about new things. And, uh, but before I let you go, man, what do you got coming up? Where can people find you and what are you excited about? Definitely. So we got the monthly testing. We got the cultivar coming up. The deadline is June 1st. So if you have any questions about the cultivar cup, you can email me at cultivarcup at gmail.com. If you want to uh, email me at my private email about anything whatsoever, it's doma, D-O-M-A, at magicmyco.org. And you can find it. You can go to magicmyco.org and find everything you need about testing there. 
if you'd like to see my spore vendor shop, it's on magicmyco.com. And magicmyco.net is a page with all the links, is the link tree. You know, I don't think we touched on the Myco coil, man. If people wanted to get into that or check it out, can they buy that on your site? Sure, they could buy it on the site. Uh, it, there's also a special site. They could buy it on the magicmyco.com or they could also go to mycocoil.com. Uh, and if you're listening to this okay. video, you're, you're part of the fam now. So try to use coupon code MMFAM. MMFAM. Okay, coupon code MMFAM. Try that one. Nice. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. MMFAM. Use that code. Check out Domo. Follow him. Guys, he's got a lot of incredible things coming up. And uh, I, I didn't even know about the Oakland team over there, but... I'm really thankful to get to talk to you. And I think everybody that's in this space should be having a spotlight on you, man, because we, we see good things coming out of the lab. And uh, I'm stoked to be part of the, F, the MM fam and uh, looking forward to our future conversations, man. Thank you, George. Right, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Pleasure's all mine. That's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate your time. Peace. All right. Let me end this one here and then uh, talk to you for one more. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.